Turn your Bibles. If you, how many people have Bibles? You have them in the pews. You should all be raising your hand. Uh, turn to Luke chapter 12, verse 15, uh, just for introductory kind of thought here on the importance of what we are discussing, uh, the very premise of our discussions. Luke 12, verse 25 through 20, it goes through 28. Okay, read 20 through 28. Uh, who has that could read in a loud voice? Thank you very much, Julie. It's 25 through 28, right? Yeah. All right. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single Oh, pardon me. Go to 35, 45 to 48. It's a long chapter. Yeah, it's a long chapter. 45 to 48, okay. yeah. Thank you. Uh, how many believe that's actually truth? Yeah, unfortunately so, right? Uh, so we want to understand uh, a couple of things here. There's three, uh, those who die without personal faith in Yeshua uh, go to an eternal judgment. Uh, and so the, while there's breath, there's hope. Uh, but in eternal judgment, there are three uh, ways that God will determine the degree of punishment. Uh, those three ways are, one, uh, by what you know and how you acted upon it. Two, uh, by your deeds. Uh, and three, uh, by your, uh, your status. Uh, it says in Jacob chapter uh, 3 verse 1, be not many teachers, brethren, for you face a more severe judgment. So if you're in a teaching role, a leadership role, a parental role, uh, you have a responsibility not only for what you're doing, what you believe, but for the people you're impacting. Uh, and so we read in many places uh, about uh, according to their works, Judgment coming, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 12 through 14, uh, through 15 technically, but uh, they'll be judged according to their works. If, I, if we both died in unbelief and uh, Jim here was an underachiever and only stole two cars, but me, I'm an overachiever and I stole 200 cars. We both died in unbelief, but my punishment will be greater than his according to their works. Uh, and so it's not a way of getting saved, but it's a determination for both <clears throat> a degree of punishment and degree of reward. Salvation comes by Yeshua, what he did, and our faith in him. So, um, and so the third aspect 
uh, in Scripture that this portion emphasizes surfaces, profiles, is by what you know. You know, too much is given. And so uh, those who went to, uh, through Shabbat school understood all the issues. They you know, had a brit milah. They had, you know, uh, their bar mitzvah. They, you know, had Torah in and out of their ears every day. And they did not uh, take it all that seriously. Uh, their punishment will be much more than the people on Pongo Pongo who never heard even though the people in Pongo Pago still did things worthy of, a, of judgment. Too much is given. And so when we look at verse, uh, in your text, when you look at verse 45, we see there uh, what this person was like, who's being uh, characterized for us. Um, what is something in verse 45 what is something that he knew? In verse 45, what did that wicked servant know? What can you see there? What's that? The master will be coming. Two things. He's the master, Adonai, and he's coming back. He knew everything you need to know to become a member in any good uh, synagogue, any messianic congregation. He's Adonai, and he's coming quickly. You know, so there's a lot in there. Uh, he knew a lot. The problem was that he didn't think he had to act upon it. Manana, as the Sephardim say, long time, have to worry about that. It's a long time, man, you know. Uh, so he abuses himself and others. But surprise, surprise. The master comes at a time he knows not when and ends up uh, putting him with the unbelievers. Did you notice that? With the unbelievers, verse 47. With the unbelievers. But he knew he was the master, and he knew he's returning, knew enough to become a member of most places. Yeah, that's the problem, not the solution. And so when Yeshua teaches us these things, and as the Shalachim developed these thoughts in their writings, we want to understand that it's not what you know, it's what you're doing with it. You have to act upon truth. And like I said last evening, for those who are here, we have a lot of overeducated people. They know a lot. What are they doing with it? You know? And so putting it into practice is not just a good thing. It shows faith. Faith is not learning stuff. Faith is believing it's true and acting upon it. That's faith. That's why uh, we have to not, you say, well, I, I believe in him. Well, really? Yeah. Have you confessed him? No. I, no, I wouldn't want people to know about that. Well, then you got to pray about this because you got to understand that if you believe on him, you're expected to act upon your faith. Belief should impact your behavior. If it's, if it's actual faith, if you're actually depending upon, or not, and not just an intellectual uh, assert, you know, uh, agreement with things, you know, a set of facts, a religious formula, or something like that. Because uh, a lot of religious people, uh, Paul says of uh, my family, 
Uh, Romans chapter 10, he says, you know, first one we're familiar with, you know, brethren, the hearts desire and prayer to God for Israel, they might be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And so religiosity, having a religious formula, uh, knowing, you know, saying a, a sinner's prayer, you know, somehow these things are like, you know, you got to be careful. Faith is acting upon truth. You actually believe enough to actually act upon it. And so in the messianic world, we have to be very careful about these matters uh, and, and make sure it's not just learning a bunch of uh, you know, Jewish roots, Hebraic roots, uh, you know, um, and stuff, uh, without it becoming something that shows we're following him, uh, that we're followers, putting it into behavior. Because when we do that, that's what the Holy Spirit is using to conform us, you know, to the image of uh, the Lord. And so as we consider that that idea, which you all basically understood from last night, that you got to put it into practice, you got to do something with it. We got to understand that it can be serious, not just optional. I don't feel like growing this week. So I'm going to kind of put it on hold, do my thing, and get back to it, you know, when I'm ready. Yeah, you got to be careful of that attitude because. I wear this wedding ring when she's not around. Uh, why? Because it's true. And the truth of it is going to be seen in the symbols, the observances, the celebrations, the ceremonies uh, that I live through. I mean, everything I do is going to portray the truth of my life, not just what I do uh, when I'm with her worshiping on Shabbat, or something of that sort, you know. So we want to be wise. Uh, and we looked at uh, last evening a couple of truths for who, those who couldn't be here. Now, they, mo none of us can be in two places at once except one person. So we all got to not judge each other. Uh, but we want to say, well, we covered last night two things. One, the reasons that people give in to the pressures, the problems, the stresses, uh, the trials, and sometimes the pleasures, the temptations of life, um, is simply because uh, they're lacking what Scripture says, the uh, discipline to endure. The discipline to endure. Uh, we saw that uh, clearly taught in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through verse 11. And then we saw that gaining the discipline to endure is not merely so you can be a strong-willed person, which many of us are already without any help from God, uh, but that we now, having the godly discipline instilled in our soul to have a backbone, uh, iron in our soul to stand up. Now we are able to have the disciplines of the faith. Uh, and understanding, as we saw, the disciplines 
what are some disciplines of the faith? Uh, what are some disciplines or godly habits uh, of the faith that are, you know, basically we don't talk about it, it seems so obvious, but what are some of them? Can somebody mention one? What's one? I see that hand. Yes, sir. Prayer, prayer, and for many of us, we say, well, duh, yeah, but that's, most believers know more about prayer than, than they pray. Uh, they don't have a regular prayer life, and things have to get pretty bad. You know, usually when you see prayer needs, it has to do with someone being ill, sick, or things that, you know, uh, have to do with a crisis uh, where all we can do is pray rather than, uh, and, and unfortunately for some people, their prayer life is therefore oriented around crisis. Crisis, prayer is crisis management kind of thing. Uh, so uh, turning your Bibles, I want you to take a look at, uh, at a wonderful prayer life for just a moment, understanding the disciplines and what they mean in our life. Turn to Nehemiah uh, chapter two, I love Nehemiah. Uh, he's one of my, I got almost everyone in the Bible I love. Okay, it's a few sourpusses I don't love. I don't love Satan. Okay, but for the most part. Um, uh, I love him because he's an administrator. You say, it sounds like dull reading just to start off. Present company excluded. But he, in his 13 chapters, he has 16 prayers. My kind of administrator. Prays a lot. Good quality to have. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 2. I'm going to ask somebody to read for us a couple of verses. So if you're not quite awake, don't feel you've got to wake up too quickly. It's quite right. But if anyone is here who can speak in a loud voice, we all can hear. Somebody read for us chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Who can read verse 4 and 5, Nehemiah 2? Raise your hand. Chris, thank you. Real loud. Uh, you say, well, okay, what's your point? The king said, what's your request? Straight up kind of king, you know, who probably would off you in a second if he didn't like what you said, with no second thought. Uh, and so, before he spoke, what did he do in verse 5? Take a look at the text. You don't have to guess, it's right there. What did he do? Uh, before he responded to the king. Verse 5. What's that? Yeah. He, you, know, you say, well, what's your point? He was so well discipled that he knew to pray always. In every situation, he first prayed before responding. He didn't say to the king, I'm going to need some time to pray over this get back to you, I need a good hour of prayer. No, the king would say, you're, you're just dead. <laughs> you haven't got an hour. Uh, and so the crisis of life, uh, as I said yesterday morning, the waves are always there. Uh, but God expects us, uh, as we say in Yiddish, in the middle of everything else, 
to be people who look to him, trust in him. Our prayer life, we need to be well disciplined in the faith to have the disciplines of the faith uh, so that we are well trained. Uh, you know, all scriptures inspired of God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness that the person of God we fully furnish for every good work. And so the whole training program God has us on is to develop the discipline so that in the midst of it all, we're not just going to you know, go with the flow. You say, well, isn't that like a, a fun thing? Just go with the flow. It actually rhymes, you see. Well, yeah, no. You want to understand you could be merely tossed about by every wind of doctrine. Whatever pressure point comes your way, giving into it. And so God wants us as messianic, uh, as a messianic Jewish community uh, to basically make sure that we are uh, disciples of the Lord. Uh, we really don't judge someone of whether they're believers or not, because who knows the heart? If you remember that wicked servant we looked at, he said, he said in his heart. Uh, what he said with his lips is right, you know, praise the Lord. He probably knew a religious person. He probably knew all the right things. He knew how to know. He knew all the right things and how to pass. In his heart, he said, God hears the heart. And so he trains us up the way we are to go uh, so that we are people of prayer. Uh, what's another discipline uh, that believers are, uh, you know, kind of a normal, ordinary thing? What's another spiritual discipline besides prayer? And we mentioned it last night. No, yeah. Study, Study the Word. Uh, five minutes of prayer, five minutes in the Word every day. You say, what good can that do? Oh, it will change your life. Um, if you would give yourself five minutes to almost every, anything a day, within a few years, you're an expert in your field. <laughs> uh, it's, it's amazing what, what just a little time consistently applied can do. Five minutes of prayer, five minutes of prayer, you say, well, you know, mentioned it to somebody else. A uh, guy told me, he said, listen, if I can't do an hour a day, I don't do it at all. I said, that's why you don't pray at all. <laughs> you perfectionist jerk. No, uh, you'll straighten it up on the, on the editing, won't you? But the point is that, no, uh, take five minutes a day and get over your pride issues of, you know, what you're going to boast about uh, and make sure you're in your, you know, just in the game here. Uh, get your head in it. Uh, and then you're, then you're ready to roll. And God can give you the next week, you can do trite six minutes. Fine. There's no stopping you now. Uh, seven minutes, you know. Whew. You're, 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 you're a prayer warrior. But you got to start somewhere uh, in order to develop the spiritual disciplines. So you don't look upon the scripture as idealistic, but normative. That when it says, pray always, pray without ceasing, you don't look at that and say, who are they talking to? They're talking to you. Uh, this is how God expects us to be, and he deals with us accordingly. And so the issues of your life that are meant to be a blessing, and God never meant anything for your life but a blessing. He loves you, always treats you as, as ch his children, not as sinners. Everything 
everything he does is to bless you, to have you enjoy victory. But if you're not living for him, not walking with him, uh, unplugged, you know, not praying, unplugged from him, not abiding in him, etc., those very situations that are meant to be victory and, and blessing end up becoming areas of defeat and stumbling, not because of any reason other than they were designed for blessing, but if you're not walking with uh, the Lord, don't have that kind of prayer life don't, in the Word and all this kind of stuff, you just see it as a, a Goliath that, you know, you'll be the Israel shaking in its boots, not the David standing up with, a, with five smooth stones. And so we want to understand, and rather simply, uh, that what God has fashioned for us in our reality and all these kind of things uh, is blessings galore. Uh, you know, from blessing to blessing, every relationship, every situation. The problem is we're not always on our game, and we therefore find it to be a, you know, like, oh my goodness, there are waves, you know? Um, and, and God purposes to have waves in order that to prove his grace is our sufficiency. All of history is to prove that one thing. All of human history, even the stuff not yet happening, is to prove one truth, his grace is our sufficiency. Depending on him is enough for anyone. And so, uh, with that in mind, understanding a few of the disciplines. Anyone know of any others? I'm not going to go into all, I mean, you know. But what's another discipline that's just kind of normal thing besides prayer and the word? Uh, Jim? No matter where you came in, okay. What do you mean by that, you uh, profound man of God? Left, uh, remember who you are. Remember who remember you are. Remember who you belong to. Yeah. Uh, know who you are, and you don't leave home without him. Uh, and if I can't bring Yeshua there, I don't want to be there either. A uh, whole life that has to do with walking and abiding and living in Chris. Forgiveness is freedom. Forgiveness is freedom. You got to be forgiven. Uh, repentance is one of the many blessings we enjoy. It's not like things got to get better. I was in Bible college. Uh, I mentioned I had breast with Russ this morning. Got saved January 10th of 72. I was in Bible college February 1. Uh, and my roommate, who was too cool for school, he was the, you know, the big man on the campus, a real hunk. Uh, and kind of, you know, kind of a believer, kind of maybe, I took his word for it. And so uh, one night he came in, two in a room kind of dorm thing, Simpson, Russ loved the fact I went to Simpson Bible College, Alliance School, but, um, and so he came in, he said, you know what happened to me tonight, Sam? You know, I said, what? He said, I went to a prayer meeting. I said, really? I knew it was like an odd thing. You know? I was wondering, what, do you, what, are, what must have been women there, I guess. You know? <laughs> you know, knowing the dude. And so he said, I went to this. And you know what happened by the, by the end of the evening? I said, I can't even imagine. <laughs> he said, I was on my knees praying. I said, no kidding. He said, yeah. I was thinking to myself, you ended up where God wanted you to start. It's okay. 
we all got to start somewhere. And so for some people, it's like, what's it take to get me on my knees praying? You know, you know? So the disciplines, the faith, the repentance, uh, God has that factored in because all of us are ordinary people serving an extraordinary God, and guilt is not in his toolkit. Uh, we have forgiveness and mercy, and so if there are things that with our conscience basically you know, disturb us, we go to the Lord, find cleansing uh, in him, and the forgiveness that, as Chris has wise, is our freedom, glory to his name. So there's many other things. Uh, the idea of being uh, committed. One of the disciplines is a committed believer. You say committed like to an institution, like I should be committed? No, not like that. Like being part of a congregation and showing commitment. You say, gee, that sounds like marriage. Kind of, sort of. Commitment can be sound like, all commitments can sound alike, you know. And so uh, you are measured. No one ever grows without commitment. Did you know that? No one grows incidentally. It's not like you hear a sermon say, well, that was kind of an interesting thought. Huh. No growth. Implementation. Application. Growth. Commitment is where you grow. It's one thing I do. Pressing for more. And so, uh, the idea is that uh, being part of a congregation, being part of a community, in the resurrection, I get the right ears for the job. I'm just telling you now. But then I won't care about the job. So. Uh, and so the idea of having a congregation or a community uh, is not to have a place to go, but a place to serve. You're saved to serve, not to sit. People just don't grow from sitting. Oh, well, sitting at his feet is good, just want to say that. But uh, we're saved to serve. And so our commitment when we're part of a congregation is in our service, uh, committed. Uh, helping push the truck up the hill together. You know, fellowship. Two or more fellows in the same ship, both rowing in the same direction. You got to keep that in mind. It's not a tourist ride. And so a commitment to a congregation, uh, being part of a community. Uh, no one grows by loving one another. They know we are his Talmudim. Love is a commitment. Putting up with my you know, strange idiosyncrasies or putting up with his kind of distinctive personality or this person's or that. So commitment, uh, so it's basic discipline of the faith. But if you're not a disciplined person, you like to, you know, I got too many flowers. I'm like the bee who needs pollen for many flowers, not just one. Yeah, well, you got a mixed kind of menu of beliefs as opposed to having a discipleship and therefore being functional member because the undiscipled believer is a dysfunctional member of the body, the bone out of joint. Um, we looked at a little bit of that last night. And so the idea is that you may be a believer well enough, but whether you're a functioning member, a healthy member of the body, that's something else. That'll come because you do those healthy things we do. Uh, and part, one of those is being committed uh, to the community, just like we are in other areas of our life. And so that, and we talk about sharing our faith. You say, that's something like a basic discipline. It's a basic discipline. 
Uh, you say, well, I'm waiting for the right situation. That's the problem. God's giving you situations all the time, but not according to your agenda. To love people, to pray for them, trusting the Lord, opening doors, believing you're there for his purposes, and that what you're there for, according to your fleshly mind, is merely the occasion, not the cause. The cause is for you to represent him wherever, however we go. So some of the basic disciplines that come out uh, that God is able to then utilize as his tools in your life uh, because you've developed a discipline of faith. Because without the discipline, you'll get bored about prayer. You'll need a crisis just to get your attention to pray. Uh, the issue of the word becomes, I don't know, I fall asleep every time I try to read. You know, I never get through Leviticus. Uh, yeah, well, that's a lack of uh, personal discipline. Uh, you don't, you're not able to endure. Uh, you want to endure. God counts on it. Your situations have been developed by God, so you will be that person enjoying the victory. He planned for you the blessings to be enjoyed. It's like that. Uh, we ready to move along? Is that enough of an eye-opener for everyone? Okay, ready to rule? Here we go. Uh, so we now want to move right ahead. We're going to move ahead. Uh, what we've seen, everything, we move ahead. Tomorrow is based upon today. In other words, that's why he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Why? It's an outgrowth of today. Live for him today. Tomorrow's got, you got a shot about tomorrow. But if you're going to be worrying about today, not living for him, worrying, worrying about tomorrow, not living for him today, tomorrow is going to be like a bad day. No matter how much you worry about it or plan or whatever you do. Tomorrow's built upon today. Let's go ahead now. So we're now going to look, as you notice, you want to have your own Bibles uh, to check me out. If I have the scriptures on the screen, time-saving device. Well, let me just mention, uh, if you're not getting our newsletter, our schmooze, we call it the schmooze letter. My name is Shmuel, it's schmooze letter, but too much. Uh, but in any case, if you're not getting our, our newsletter, you can just fill one of these out, leave it on the table there by the books, I'll pick them up, ready to roll. Uh, regarding the books, if you're interested, uh, Messianic Discipleship, absolutely essential. It's used all over the world, praise God. Uh, in Israel, it's a basic book in most of the Messianic, oh, in all the congregations, but where they're doing discipleship. Uh, you say, well, some aren't, most aren't. Most congregations depend on transferred growth, which means people are coming from some other believing group, and therefore you assume they're good to go. Their prayer life is in place, they're in the Word, you know. No, you'd be wrong almost just about every single time. <laughs> and so, uh, if you're depending on transfer growth, you gotta make sure people are disciples. Uh, don't, don't, don't assume facts that are not in evidence. Uh, vital help. People use this for family. Uh, as devotionals, they will work together, do things together. The next in the line is Messianic wisdom, the application. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Uh, and so when he talks in 1 Corinthians 12 about uh, 
the gift of you know, word of knowledge and word of wisdom. Uh, wisdom is the application of knowledge. And so, sechel, sechel, verbal. Um, applicational issues, applying it to our life. My wife's books, good stuff. She's the smart one. Her book, uh, Abiding Messiah from John 15, uh, deals with the issue of making sure you're plugged in and bearing fruit, um, which she does. Uh, and internally desired regarding uh, the Jewish wedding and how Yeshua used it to deal with our relationship with him uh, in various aspects and brings it out to understand more fully our relationship with him. Uh, so there you are on that. And they'll be available, I think, uh, through this morning, certainly. Um, or whenever the current, whenever, whenever Beth Messiah sends them back to us, it'll be available unto them. Moving ahead now. Okay. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Let's do a little runway here just to bring us together. Uh, and so we took a look about spiritual exercise programs, uh, what the Bible teaches on these things in Hebrews uh, 12, uh, 12 through 14. Uh, we saw how to attain spiritual health. And so uh, where we left off last night, proper attitude, pray with yielded trust in Messiah. Uh, you say, well, I don't always yield myself because I want to tell God what to do for me. And I got to be kind of straightforward with him. You know how he is. Yeah, well, God's not your placebo. Your will doesn't determine what God's going to do. You yield yourself to his will. You say, well, what if I don't yield myself to his will? But I'm praying. You're just fighting with God with your eyes closed. That's all. And so prayer, yielded, trusting in him. The Bible. Uh, proper diet, memorized, personalized scripture. Uh, we talked about what it means to personalize scripture last night. Proper exercise, obey his word, encourage by it, and praise him for it. Yeah. Uh, I don't want any encouragement that's not according to the word. Keep all your platitudes to yourself. Another hallmark card is not going to do me any good. I need someone to remind me of the truth and encourage me accordingly because I don't want to walk otherwise. Uh, okay, I'm a little bit weird. Fine. Uh, proper goals. Pursue peace and holiness. This keeps your focus. Where we're we going, we're going to be bringing the good news, the Prince of Peace, the only way to have peace between people, between anything in Messiah, bringing the good news to people, taking the fight to the enemy, uh, redeeming those who are trapped in religion, those who are trapped in their emotions, trapped in their, you know, stinking thinking, whatever it may be, uh, all the ridiculous addictions that we seem to have developed as a way of life in this country. Um, God can deliver them from the domain of darkness, transferring them to the kingdom of his beloved son. And we're here to do God's business. Uh, proper partners. Uh, very important for your spiritual health. Uh, bad company corrupts good morals. You say, not for me. You know, your pride is really your problem, don't worry. <laughs> uh, your arrogance, I think the word of God, you'll somehow... Walk through the storm without getting wet somehow. So, uh, participate as a family and congregation that share these values. Uh, you say, 
I have to find a place that shares these Yeah, that's what you do. It's like having a couple of dates before you marry, just to find out the people, what they believe in, you know? Um, he said he was a believer. Yeah. I didn't want anything that, that was good enough. Is it good enough now? No. Yeah, a couple more questions might not have hurt. Yeah. And so, uh, ask the right questions, you'll be uh, a better congregant anywhere you go. Uh, <clears throat> over and over and over again, you know, that's what we do. Uh, so, that's where we left off last evening, now we press on to a, a mark. And so, uh, you know, it's like, what if I'm not doing well at all? Uh, all these things, it's like, hey, I'm at, you know, I can't say it out loud, because if I do, people will think poorly of me. People might not even think I'm saved, you know, uh, good grief. No, no, you don't worry about that. We already doubt whether you're saved, so you might as well say it. No, no, no. No, the pride issue, the fear issue, guilt, all these kind of things have us wear masks, communities that don't interact, don't love one another, not a safe harbor, but a kind of place you have to walk through, not knowing where the landmines are. And so uh, we want to develop a safe harbor, uh, at least for those who are members and share the same values. Uh, Long-term visitors, uh, are long-term visits because they don't share the values. Uh, they like coming for a variety of reasons, uh, but uh, they're not members, and we should understand the distinction. Uh, they, they may have the same values, but if they did, they'd become members. <laughs> so yeah, we want to make sure we disciple people to have the values. Uh, discipleship always leads to membership. You get discipled to be a functioning member of the body. There's a goal in discipleship to make us a functional member. If you take uh, my book, Establishing Healthy Messianic Congregations, goes into some of these things. It's good for elders to read. Uh, so, if you're weak, and you may think, oh, if I get started, they're just, I'm barely hanging in now. I, you know, it's, yikes, I'm going to feel bad about myself. I'm going to, you know, it's like, New Year's Eve resolutions, you know, it's like, yikes, I, <laughs> I never keep them. Yeah, well, I'd rather fail at doing what's right than succeed at doing what's wrong. Because God will forgive me and help me. But if I change the target and merely draw the target around the arrow, I am now hopeless. Because I actually may think I'm doing okay. Better for me to say, it's not working out so well, Lord, help me. And he will. He'll love doing that. He loves you very much. And so, uh, we want to understand, uh, so I have for you a brief Beth Messiah health alert. Uh, Beth Messiah is all about healthy people. For visitors here, keep that in mind. And so, here's your Beth Messiah public service. Heart attack warning signs. Chest discomfort. See an interesting thing. Discomfort in upper body areas. Why do I have so many things? Shortness of breath. I didn't, I didn't just run a race, did I? Other signs may include breakout in cold sweats, nausea, or lightheadedness. There is your Beth Messiah. 
public service announcement so you can know. Because heart attacks can be a difficulty, you know, it can just take the edge off your day. Uh, and so, with all the reports, you know, why you have to have public, because there's all kinds of reports needed, because people don't know the signs that lead to heart failure. They just don't know. You know, they, they, they figure, oh, I can, I can still get up, I can still say hello, you know, I can still open my eyes, I'm good to go. And they don't realize uh, that they may have, uh, there might be one step away, and so they don't know. Uh, same thing spiritually. You knew that was coming, right? Uh, attaining and retaining spiritual health, got to know the signs that lead to spiritual heart failure. You may not know it until all of a sudden there's a collapse and you say, I just don't feel like going to the same place again. No one likes me. No friends. I'll try somewhere else or why bother? You know, personal defeat, three things. Personal defeat, family division, congregational demise. Family, personal thing starts with you. Your home is based upon the individuals in the home. Therefore, family division results, relationship problems, and then the community, because the congregation is just a bunch of families that get together. And so eventually it's a breakdown, a demise, uh, kind of a, a coalescing around, you know, who cares? <laughs> Apathy, you know. So, and so the scripture tells us, Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart from comes all issues of wisdom, issues of life, wisdom, heart thing. And so now we move ahead. Uh, the, the Hebrews here, Jewish believers in Yeshua, who are losing heart. That's what it was saying. We saw that in chapter 12, verse 4. Uh, on the verge of spiritual heart failure, like, oh my goodness, I'm not sure, you know, I can't, I'm not sure I can take much more of this. I mean, you know, if there was a God, he, if Yeshua is really the Messiah, why am I still going through all the struggles and crisis and my goodness, all the pressures, my family still thinks I'm nuts and good grief, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and so a lot of public pressure to forsake Yeshua and return to a non-Yeshua Judaism. You say, well, that's all right, isn't it? No, that's apostasy. Going to a synagogue where Yeshua is not proclaimed and taught and honored is apostasy. It's false worship. No man comes to the Father but by me. So we say, but they pray such beautiful prayers. We can pray the same prayers. We, we pray B'Shem Yeshua, if you're not familiar with how we do things. Uh, and there's a difference. Uh, so we want to understand that the pressures and stress on them uh, were leading towards a kind of non-Yeshua orientation. Gotta be careful of that. And so this was a letter of encouragement to all of us, not to forsake him, God's only way of salvation, but to trust and triumph in him. That's how it works. And we saw forsake sin, not him. You know, we wanna be careful of, uh, you say, well, I'm never gonna go there. No one ever thinks so like heart attacks. I didn't think it would happen to me. Yeah, everybody else knew it would happen to you. You're the only one who thought that eating all that kind of food was going to be irrelevant to you because you loved the taste of it. Well, guess what? You clogged your arteries, you know, hello. Uh, so we got to understand that uh, we can be circling the drain 
you know, uh, spiritually, living in doubt and fear and lust and stuff, uh, and not understanding, you know, that, that we're not doing well, and we can be waiting for the tipping point. As I tell other leaders, and the elders can hear this for themselves, you may not like what you hear, uh, in most congregations, just by everyone I've ever been to, about 10% of the congregation is ready to leave. They just can't find a good enough reason. And so almost anything that goes on is like, okay, when they decided, I'll tell you right now, when they decided to have different bagels at the Oneg, I knew it wasn't no longer the Lord's will for me to be there. Whatever. And uh, so people just look at me. Why? Because people are not spiritually growing in the Lord. Uh, they're peripheral, marginal believers, hanging in, coming to services, not involved, not being nurtured, not being growing. Uh, and so they're just kind of like marginal believers. And are they real believers? I don't know. If someone says they're a believer, I'm not going to judge them. That's who knows the heart, you know? So, uh, but. But, they're, but they can be facing very serious, serious spiritual issues in their life. Um, and so we want to just keep moving along here now, understanding that forsaking him may not seem like uh, an eventuality, but you may be doing it on a situation-by-situation situation basis already. Uh, certain situations, you just don't depend on him. You don't follow his word. You don't want to honor him in all your circumstances. And so different situations, you're kind of careful. You know, well, I know what I'm doing in this world. I have to kind of do my messianic thing here. And over there, of course, you know, you got to laugh at the dudes around the cooler at work. Just, you know, just, it's how, that's how the game is played and things like that. And so, yeah, well, you don't realize that you are basically corrupting yourself undermining uh, the very spiritual life you have, and you may not realize it until you end up with a disaster, heart failure, you never know. And so we want to be careful of these kind of matters. And that being said, uh, you know, it says there in uh, Psalm 14, elsewhere too, um, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. You're all familiar with that one? He's probably a religious man like in Luke chapter 12, verse 45. You say, what do you mean? Well, he may have been saying the Vahafta, but in his heart he's saying, what am I going, the Buckeyes are playing today. How long is he going to keep talking? You know, in his heart. And so we want to be careful about being that fool. Uh, and therefore not having a heart relationship with the Lord, but rather going through religious things or whatever. Got to be careful. We got to keep growing in it, not devolving. And so the whole book of Hebrews is all about Yeshua, of course. You say, duh. Yeah. Uh, instruction about who he is, his life and work, and the application uh, for you, uh, by you, uh, in, about his life and work. What he's done for me, and now how I live that out. Simple kind of thing. Uh, if I'm a follower, that kind of thing. And so uh, we took a look here uh, at the issues. Uh, I'm just breezing through this of what the chapter brings us to. 
trust for spiritual faithfulness, endurance, train for spiritual fruitfulness, the discipline in our souls, uh, and then uh, regarding the triumph for spiritual fitness, development. That's where we are now. We looked at some of the basics uh, late last evening. Uh, it hung in pretty good. Uh, only a few of you fell asleep. That's better than my normal average. So I like this group. You're doing great. What a great group. Uh, and that's the development issues here. Uh, so we looked at uh, what does it mean to triumph, uh, having spiritual fitness. Uh, so three commands. Uh, and we covered off on two of them last night. Third one is this morning. Uh, and so we want to understand the commands. Uh, and though in this third one, we will see three threats uh, to retaining spiritual fitness. And so we want to, if you are fit, you have to stay fit. How many people, like me, you know, people say, Sam, you lost weight. Yeah, I lose it, I find it, I lose it, I find it, I lose it, I find it. Hello. Uh, and so I'm doing pretty good on this, you know, this iteration of life. Uh, but never mind, the point is that retaining is the issue. Uh, not just attaining, how do I keep it? How do I live that life in a consistent way? That's mature. Maturity is consistency. Consistency of life. And so we're going to see three threats uh, for those who understand spiritual habits and life. Three threats we have to be careful of. We'll do that this morning. Uh, discerning spiritual weakness, willfulness, and wickedness. Those are the three threats. We'll take a look at them in due course. And so uh, we just want to look at a verse real quickly here. The portion, you have your own Bible. I'm just touching on a couple of things. Uh, we're going to cover verse 15 uh, with some depth. I tend to go deep, not wide, just telling you a little like, you know, spoiler alert there. Um, so it says in verse 15, See to it, lest any fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up causes trouble, and by it many are defiled lest any immoral or godless person like Esau, who sold his own birthright for a single meal, he was rejected. Avinu, I ask right now again, not merely for uh, Ruach to be able to illuminate our minds and hearts, uh, but to, uh, for his work to help make it uh, applicable, uh, something that is doable, that we might be a discerning people a wise people, a healthy people, B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. Uh, so you say, but well, we already prayed once today. Take me to court. Okay. Uh, when you take a look at, you see the word see to it. We're going to spend some time just the idea of a see to it. Um, you say, well, why? Because it's in the Bible. Okay. Uh, and so see to it which means discern three progressive health threats. All the lest anys, lest any, lest any. The, the original language is very clear on these things. Um, for you, your family, and your community. For those who are in leadership in the home, be on your game. Uh, for those who are in leadership in the congregation and community, this is a heads up how to help ascertain, evaluate, discern, 
how the community is doing. Uh, it's a leadership responsibility in the home and the congregation as well. Uh, for your own life, of course, individually, we are all stewards. We have a stewardship over our own soul. Uh, we therefore need to be careful what we spiritually feed ourselves, uh, what we give ear to, uh, and the kind of you know, fellowship we will uh, allow ourselves to indulge in. Bad company corrupts good morals. So individually, family. Yeah. Moving on, uh, we'll take a look. Uh, you can only guess I always have three things of everything. You know. um, and so being spiritually fit, walk with God every day. So becoming and staying spiritually fit is what we look at in these three verses. We'll take a look, first of all, our responsibility to inspect the spiritually weak. Uh, a shepherd needs to know the condition of the flock. We'll then look uh, rather quickly, the authority to correct the spiritually willful. If you don't know the difference between weak and willful, you will not know the difference between a weak believer and a Pharisee. And then we'll look at, uh, during the next hour, necessity to reject the spiritually wicked. No soup for you, okay? Let's move on. I start at the top, I work my way down, life is simple. Uh, we see the little phrase there, as I mentioned before, uh, see to it, and therefore this whole section, uh, the perception uh, for return, you have to be able to see things the way they are, not the way you want them to be. And therefore you have to have God's word uh, in your heart, in your soul, uh, to be able to gain discernment. You say, well, I, I can figure things out. No, you understand things as a threat to you, uh, your identity, your sense of self-worth, your self-esteem. Uh, you may not know what is spiritually good and bad. You may only have good strategies for survival, uh, you know, that have to do with you, your agenda, what you want to get done in life and stuff. And so we just got to get our head around that uh, this discernment does not come naturally. It doesn't come from merely time in. I've known, I had a, uh, let a man go once, uh, after 16, he, someone said to me, how could you let him go? He has 16 years of, of service. I said, no, no. Uh, he had one year 16 times. Uh, he wasn't able to really move ahead, and we just, for health, we had to understand these things. And so, as we could, you say, well, how do you gain discernment? Bible's clear. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Strong meat is for the mature, who by reason of use, implementation, who by reason of use have their senses trained to discern good and evil. The, the Bible itself, the word of God is how we discern. You know, our general intuitive thing can sometimes help. You know, don't walk in front of trucks. Got it. Uh, but generally, when it comes to the issues of God, we need God's word. For the things of the spirit are foolishness to the natural man, for they are spiritually appraised. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. And so as we consider the issue of see to it, uh, God is asking us a simple thing. It's a command. 
take a look at it. You got you to check this thing out here. You know, see through it. You say, well, what do you mean? You're responsible for checking things out. Your stewardship may only be yourself. That's good. <laughs> you may have too many responsibilities and unable to really deal with keeping yourself healthy. When I was a baby believer, uh, I was given too much responsibility early on. I couldn't handle it. I went through what I called several spiritual hernias. You know? uh, and so I didn't have the, the discipline to endure. I hadn't too mature in the faith. Um, but in any case, we want to understand we have to take responsibility uh, and therefore have discernment so we can uh, figure out what, what's going on, really. Uh, and so uh, the whole idea here, see to it, uh, the original language uh, is to look into things, to actually be concerned. You know, some, you say to someone, how are you doing? Why are you asking? I love you? Oh, oh yeah, I'm doing okay, thanks for asking. You know, why, what do you want to know for? <laughs> because we're concerned about things. Certainly, we should be concerned about our own spiritual welfare uh, to begin with, you know, only because we have to be healthy to help other people be healthy. You know, you have to renounce within yourself before you denounce it elsewhere. We'll get to some of that stuff. Uh, take care of things. That's what the word has to deal with. When you look into it, it's not just to be an observer. It's basically to deal with things. When God shows you things, he's bringing you into his world so you can pray about things or, or if your responsibilities are such a stewardship responsibilities to actually talk to someone. You know, if it's your children, your children, you may see things you need to look into, uh, certainly to pray about. You see, in other people's kids, well, just pray about it. It may not be your stewardship responsibility to deal with other people's kids. I mean, you know, uh, but your own kids, certainly. So also in the congregation, if you're an elder, you are responsible for the condition of the flock. You say, that's Howard's job. His as well as one of the elders. Uh, the elders have that responsibility to care about the people. And so uh, we want to understand that we got to care for one another as well may not be your responsibility, but you can pray for one another. Uh, when you think there's a thing going on, you see the guy basically kind of getting really kind of tight and defensive and things. You can go just pray at least. You know, Lord, help him. He seems to be overwhelmed or something. Or okay. uh, That's because we love each other. Uh, perceive the danger, do something about it. It's the word that's used for overseer. It's a verb form for the word that's used for an overseer, which is a synonym for an elder. Elders have three, uh, there's three words that are synonymous uh, throughout scripture uh, regarding the leadership role in a family and congregation. You say family? Elders in the family? Yeah, we call them parents. Someone said, my kids call me the parental unit. Well, whatever. Parent is in there somewhere, so you're responsible. Uh, so the idea is that, yeah, there's three things. Elder with wise counsel, the word older comes, you know, it's elder, both Hebrew and Greek, older, wise counsel. That's what you bring to the table. You got not your first rodeo. Uh, you can actually help people understand this in a bigger con context and therefore help them get through things. Uh, being a, uh, a 
overseer, managerial kind of thingy here. You know, uh, Yeshua was a great one for this. Uh, he woke up one morning uh, in one of the parables he gave us, and the shepherd said, oh, there was 100 sheep when I went to sleep. There's only 99. I got to leave them, go after one. Me, I might have woke up and said, looks like about the same number as last night. 99, 100, eh, they look about the same. How did he know? He was a good overseer. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Where's Shloimi? Shloimi was here last night. Where'd he go again? And so the whole issue is that a good overseer, that's the managerial kind of thing uh, for the flock. And then, of course, the shepherd, uh, uh, Roe in Hebrew, uh, uh, translated pastor in English translations, most English translations. And so uh, a shepherd to nurture and protect the flock. And so those three things are synonymous versus use them together. And so we want to understand that. And so uh, in the family, it's, it's the same word. So you have a responsibility to oversee, to see to it, to look into it, to make sure everything is copacetic, depending on your stewardship, what you're responsible for. If you're a shamish, uh, you have a, a more limited responsibility, maybe a kind of program that you're responsible, but that's the, that's the area of responsibility you have, you see, to care about those people, etc. that are involved. So that's how that rolls, uh, and we move ahead accordingly. Uh, and so, uh, why do we have this? Because this is a leadership thing throughout the scriptures uh, in Vichra 1010. Uh, so you'll be able to distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. You have to be able to discern. This is what we bring to the table for the community, for the family. So we can discern. That's what the scripture always taught. This is how leaders are to be. Uh, and just as in that text, uh, the Kohanim, uh, the priests as such, they were to basically give a holy discernment on these things. So uh, you are a priest of your soul. <laughs> and if you have a family, you know, you're, you're basically the, the worship leader there. Uh, and uh, so also, uh, we distinguish, we discern, we're able to understand by understanding Torah, understanding scripture, uh, these kind of things. Uh, and so, uh, we want to understand uh, the issue, uh, give instruction for expectation and then inspection. Well, what does that mean? This is how this rolls for those in leadership uh, worlds. Uh, even if you're just spirit-led, good enough, you're a leader, spirit-led. Uh, take care of your own little stewardship, cool. One, uh, we give instruction. We don't expect anyone to do anything without proper instruction. It's not fair, it's not nice. Uh, we don't expect them to act messianic when they've never been instructed properly. Uh, they don't know how to do things. They don't, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. And so we have to give instruction. Then we can have an expectation, a proper expectation in light of the instruction. But that no one ever does what you expect. They do what you inspect. See to it. You have to say, how's that going? We have the whole thing here about reading your Bible every day and things. How you doing? What do you mean? Well, we talked about reading our Bible every day. We all talked about it as a community, how important that is. How you, how, how's that working for you? you know? Well, I'm okay. <laughs> What's wrong? What do you mean? I'm fine. 
yeah, we got to build relationship here. The trust levels are down. No one wants to talk about anything unless I you know, out them, make them feel bad about themselves or some punishment. You know, perfect love casts out of all fear. You got to get the love thing going. And so uh, one thing leads to the other. This is how leadership works in the home uh, and in the congregation. You have to give instruction to have a proper expectation and then follow it up by saying, how's it going? Simple as that. Uh, and like, you know, we prayed about that thing. How'd that go? Moving ahead. So, a few values here. Model the values you want others to have. All leaders uh, have to model values they would like to see in their family or in the community. It is not nice to expect those you serve to somehow be godly and you get away with stuff. We do not believe in executive privilege in the messianic community. Uh, we actually believe that Leaders are servants of the community. They model the values that we learn and we teach and expect. Uh, they model those values. Uh, if they're not modeling the values, they're going to cause a kind of uh, disconnect, you see. It's going to be something that's going to be unclear. We, how, you, know, you gave me a message on reading the Bible. Uh, how do you do that? What do you mean? Well, you make your, I, I want to say, how do you do it in your life? Well, I just teach it. I don't have to do it, do I? Yes, you do. Because we are taught in the scripture. We took a look at uh, yesterday afternoon, yes. Uh, you know, that uh, people are to see how you live it out and follow how you live it out, not what you taught, but how you lived out what you taught. Hebrews 13, 7. And so uh, you have to model the values first. That's what leadership does. They show how it lives out. Otherwise, we've got to help them grow as well, understand their responsibility to our families and community. Also, we have to be first committed to these spiritual values. Leaders all have to, to look into things, to be able to evaluate. We have to have the, the level of commitment that we'd like others to have. We can only truly disciple by the disciplines we live by. We, if we don't have the discipline in our own life, we don't have a prayer life. Uh, I deal with leaders all over the world. and I, I, I ask questions like, how's it going? How was your prayer life this week? And so they are all kind of, when we build a relationship, they say, oh, it was a really rough week. Well, let's pray together, you know. Uh, because we all have our off weeks, off days, but we need people to encourage. Leaders are meant to do that. Uh, as, we, as we care about people, we care about their souls. We have to give an account for their souls. And so we, we need to look into how you're doing. We care about you, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, and so we must renounce in ourselves before we denounce it in others. Uh, you say, well, that's, a, that's a interesting. What's that mean? Uh, if I don't like... Uh, someone to be doing internet porn, I shouldn't be doing it. If I'm going to say it's wrong every time, uh, it should be wrong for me first. Before I denounce it in others, I should renounce it in myself. That's what Paul taught us. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, we renounce the things of darkness. And so we want to understand this earns us the right to be heard because we are now repentant ourselves. We can help others through that process 
uh, as well. And so we must renounce in our family before we denounce in other families. You're not allowed to throw the first bone when you live in glass houses. Uh, you have to make sure your family uh, is repentant before you pray for others to be repentant. You know, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, first yourself, your family, and you can guess, you must renounce it in our community before we denounce it in society. Light a candle, don't curse the darkness. Uh, we have to be the congregation, the community that shows love before we start uh, nagging about all the lovelessness in the world today. No kidding. Uh, boy, society's really going down the tubes, isn't it? Right. You think that makes you better because you can say those things? No. We have to be the light in the darkness. We are called to be salt and light accordingly. And so our community has to be healthy to help our society in any way. Responsibility to inspect. Move on. And so we see those uh, matters we took a look at, uh, the three lest anys. We'll take a look at them now uh, in quick procession. Quick for me. Um, for you, your family, and community, three threats, progressive as they are. I didn't think it would become that bad. It was just a little tumor. I just didn't, it was just a little tumor. What do you mean there's no such thing as a, for me, it's a symptom of something that we need to deal with. So we gotta be careful of those symptoms. A genetic weakness requiring special help. All of us are sinners. We need the grace of God. You say, not me. Then therefore, you say that, especially you. <laughs> and so we want to understand, we all need that help. First thing, genetic weakness. All of us got stuff. And secondly, a stubborn infection, which contaminates our vital organs. You gotta be careful. It starts one place, ends up in another. So you gotta be careful in the community, in the family, you know? Uh, persistent malignancy that must always be removed, uh, et cetera, and this is what he's gonna talk about finally, which we'll get to, maybe. We'll see if we can get there. But do what we can, not we can't. See to it, lest any fall short of the grace of God. So, the grace of God, what is that? It's God's unmerited favor and kindness. You say, well, what do you mean? It has to do with what God brings to the table, not you. What about what I bring to the table? I mean, I even, you know, uh, I, I, I do shakrit, uh, I lay tefillin, you know. Yeah, no, God's not impressed. All have sinned and fallen short. Grace what God has fully accomplished in Messiah. Uh, your salvation is not based upon any work of your own at all. You say, but I prayed that prayer. Prayer can't save you. What it can do is focus your faith on Yeshua. Faith in Yeshua is the operative issue. Dependence upon him, not what you do. That's a starting point in the life of a Messianic Jewish congregation and a Messianic believer. Messianic Jews, Messianic, the starting point. And so he graciously saves all who personally believe in Yeshua. Uh, that's how it works. It doesn't work any other way. Never did. 
For Abraham, for Moses, Daniel, David, it was all the same thing. That's why Abraham was glad to see his day. They had faith that anticipated what God would provide. From this point in time, we have faith that appropriates what God has provided. All looking to what God alone could provide. That's faith. Trusting in his provision, what he, who he is, what he has done for us. Uh, and he therefore can save all, no matter what kind of problems you got, God can bring grace to the table. That's what we depend on. Everything else will leave you weary and no better off. All these matters. And so, Scripture is replete in this. Ezra said, there has been grace from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant. That's why we have a remnant, because of the grace of God. A remnant according to God's gracious choice. Romans 11, verse 5. I wouldn't be surprised it's in here. Thus says, Lord, the people survived the sword, found grace in the wilderness. Israel went to cause and rest. You want rest? God gives it by grace. Why the wilderness? The only time you're looking for grace. When things are going rotten. So too, at the present time, remnant chosen by grace. Romans 11.5. Torah was given through Moshe. Grace and truth came through Yeshua the Messiah. Always. The Torah was to point us to Yeshua, for in him is the grace of God for us. Always been the same. Nothing changes in that regard. And so, uh, some are not depending on God's grace in Yeshua. What do you mean? Because he says there, see to it, first thing, first thing, first thing to be discerning, first thing to be checking out in the community, in the family, with our children. Are there any here? who are falling short of the grace of God. The starting point, we start there. Are there any in our community that may not have an understanding of what salvation is, what Yeshua has done for them, and somehow got caught up in thinking, if I do it in Hebrew, God will be happy with me. No, I'm here to report to you, he's no happier when you pray in Hebrew than you do in Greek or English or anything else. He's not impressed for your much speaking. And so we want to understand the grace of God. Now, praying in Hebrew doesn't hurt. It just doesn't help. <laughs> okay? And why do we pray in Hebrew? Because we're identifying with the greater Jewish community, showing that he's really the Messiah. It's got to be Havanah in your heart. No prayer you pray without understanding is prayer. Got to be a hard thing. And so, we move on. And so when we talk about falling, when it says falling short of the grace of God, be careful of anyone who falls short of the grace of God. We have to understand that this is a normative problem in Scripture. For all have sinned and fall short, the same exact wording in the original language, fall short of the glory of God. That's a condition of humanity. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us are in need of help. People say, well, you just need a crutch. Me too. I mean, all of us need what God alone can bring to the table. Your pride is what keeps you from being healthy. We all need the grace of God. Nothing is going to ever work apart from that. And so my, my sin, uh, this is disgrace to God's grace. And so we want to make sure we're honoring praise to his glory. Uh, and not basically getting into a kind of 
weird kind of thing, you know. Um, let's move on. Uh, scripture says uh, in this very book, the book of Hebrews, therefore let us, fear, uh, let us fear if all promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it, fall short of it. Same word in the Greek. Uh, in other words, he, said, what's he, he repeats this over and over, as you can see. He was, he was very concerned that some of the people in that community might be teeter-tottering because they never really trusted in what God has done for them and therefore may not truly be born again, regenerate children of God and just gone along, you know, with the trendy kind of religion thingy happening. And so therefore, uh, you know, he's saying, you know, over and over again, uh, have you entered in? Have you trusted in what God has done? He's the promise keeper uh, of the promises. And so, uh, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, instructing us to deny ungodliness, worldly desires. That's the instruction. What the grace of God does, the grace of God in Messiah, the grace of God instructs us to deny certain things. You say, well, I thought I can sort of do it without feeling guilty. No, you're wrong. That's your flesh telling you that. You're twisting things for your own self-serving purposes. No, the grace of God instructs us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. That's the grace of God in our lives when you come to faith in Yeshua. And to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. This is what the grace of God is teaching us, encouraging us as we're walking with the Lord, trusting in him, abiding in him, plugging in, and all of that. You see, that's what the grace of God is doing. So when people fall short of the grace of God, they come up with their own religious menus and formulas, basically to live life, you know, as they want to live it, uh, kind of, sort of. Uh, but that's, you know, but they have to understand, no, that's, that's not the, it's not grace because I can do it uh, without, without, you know, endangering my eternal salvation. Grace of God doesn't say, uh, it's okay to do it, you'll still be saved, so go at it. You're going to prove it's grace. No, should we continue in sin that grace might abound? God forbid. God forbid that we so distort the grace of God to be a disgrace. That's not what it teaches us, instructs us, guides us, or helps us to do. And so, Regarding this tremendous first issue, uh, faith in Yeshua restores us to our grace condition. You say restores us when we were first created uh, back in the garden kind of thingy. Uh, we walked by faith depending on grace. That's how we lived with the Lord. Uh, we just trusted in him, abided in him. The problem that Adam had was, uh, you say, what's his problem? He, all of us are born fra uh, created frail. You say, well, I thought sin made me frail. No, no, no. You were created frail. You were created so you had to depend on God. You had to depend on God. It was when he was tempted and didn't go to God but listened to the voice of his wife, who had already been corrupted by that point. And so the issue is, no, you're born frail. It's who you are you depending on for your strength in the midst of your frailty when you're under stress and problems and pressure and the waves are high and things are coming down the old pikeroo here. And so we want to understand for ourselves that we have to abide in him uh, through that situation. We'll be bearing fruit, but it's a miserable situation. God will bring fruit to bear if you will trust in him and abide in him. 
And so I'll pour out the spirit of grace and supplication. Uh, so they'll look unto me whom they have pierced and mourn from his one mourns for his only son. And so the spirit of God brings us to look to Yeshua. The spirit of God uh, poured out in prophecy for our people nationally, not only for the remnant uh, nationally, is that it'll help. What does it do? The grace of God poured out to look to him. That's what the grace of God does. It focuses upon Yeshua, never ourselves. Always looking to him. That's what the grace of God does. That's why it's the grace in which we stand, the grace that's our sufficiency, as I'm sure I'll have all over the place here. And so, uh, Scripture says, we are justified freely by his grace. How could he be like that? Because everything was done Yeshua. Uh, Russ took me to breakfast this morning. What a good guy. Anyone who takes me to breakfast is a good guy. Just want to let you know. And so, he said, I'm going, to, I'm going to take you to breakfast. I said, that's really great. Uh, that's wonderful. But I felt I had a man up. Some of you guys understand what I'm talking about. Got a man up. You got to step up, you know. And so, okay, but I got the tip. I, got, I could bring something to the table. You know, I'm not helpless. He said, no, I got the whole thing covered. That's, that's what God has done. We want to do a few good works to show we're okay, we're good to go. He says, no, Yeshua did the whole thing or not. And if he didn't do enough, what you do can't make it any better. And if you try thinking you did a few things, you're therefore confessing it's not all in light of what he did and you're falling short of the grace of God. And so we want to understand we're justified freely by his grace to the redemption that came by Yeshua the time. Straight up kind of stuff, isn't it? Why? Now here's the point. All leaders need to be aware of the matter. You can read it. Because all fall short of the glory of God, beware lest any fall short of the grace of God. Because all fall short of the glory of God. Parents, other leaders, Therefore, knowing your kids are lost, your job is to teach them of the grace of God and faith in Yeshua. He said, I thought the congregation would do that. No, they can only reinforce what you teach. They can't make up for what you do. They're not supposed to come between you and the family. You are responsible for the training up of your children. The congregation is reinforcing, uh, speaking to the same issues so that your kids know you're not the only crazy family in the world. There's a whole bunch of us. It's a community thing. Uh, But we want to understand that leadership has to actually believe this. All fall short of the glory of God, so we have to beware. We have to beware what? Lest any fall short of the grace of God. Very important. As we meet visitors, I assume they're all lost. Thank you, Lord, for... I'm waiting for the trumpet to sound so I have all these things going on in my life. So I'll shut you off. Not God, but my phone. And so you want to understand, you have to believe that the word of God's true. And even your, you know, Shana Madela, your beautiful child, lost. When they're young, sin looks cute. What can I tell you? Uh, You young people here, I was once young, this is your future. 
be prepared. And so we want to understand that everyone's lost. They need to trust in Yeshua in order to have salvation. If you're in a leadership role, you have to go into it. You can't, it's not by osmosis, not rubbing off. You've got to help your children understand what our faith is and not just the mechanics, not a mechanistic external thing. No, they'll think it's all silly or foolishness or hypocrisy or something. You've got to deal with the substance of these matters. Moving on, and moving on to the second point. We're going to try to get through this and try to have a few questions uh, for us to deal with. Second point, we looked at the first one, which deals with the people who are spiritually weak. Why are they weak? They fall short of the grace of God. That's why you're spiritually weak. Spiritual strength comes from the grace of God. Spiritual weakness comes by not depending on the grace of God. Going through situations, saying, I can handle this. What do you think, I am a jerk? I got this one, babe. Don't worry about it. No. Pray always. Don't be self-centered. Trust the Lord. And you want to be on your game and not be a kind of arrogant person. You want to understand that we are going in situations by God uh, to depend upon him and therefore have the blessing and the victories. Otherwise, we end up falling on our face and it's the thorn of the flesh that will get all the attention. And so, uh, the second point regarding not just the weak, but now we go into what comes from that. Well, when you draw the target around the arrow, you have a way of justifying your weaknesses, uh, and that becomes willfulness. Some of us are not alpha males or alpha females, uh, and so you say, well, what do you mean? Well, you may think that uh, because you don't uh, speak arrogantly or whatever, or you're perceived as being a, a sweet, humble person, uh, no, you could be a passive aggressive, uh, and therefore uh, your weakness uh, becomes uh, a willfulness of soul, uh, and you may actually be leaning on the flesh more than you may think. Uh, no one's fooled, God certainly isn't. And so, Second thing, lest any root of bitterness brings up causing trouble. Uh, and so as we go on to the second point, I want us just to quickly understand the root of bitterness and what that means, the fruit that develops from it. Uh, there was one person, I won't mention which Messianic synagogue, uh, they were like a stalwart right from the beginning, you know, kind of an ema of the congregation, you know, kind of really. Uh, and the person uh, realized, uh, as a believer, that there was a whole issue never opening up her heart or her home or anything. And she said, there was like this area in my life I was willful over. I was going to have my privacy. I was going to control that. I wasn't going to, you know, and there's a whole thing here. She's very resistant to God, she said. When she finally realized and came to realize she had to bring that to the Lord, it was the area stumbling her, keeping her. It was a willfulness, a soul about an area, and everyone thought of her as one of the stalwarts, one, one, one of the, you know. Uh, so we got to be careful here. We have our own little areas of life. We don't allow God in. We now have a stronghold uh, that can be resisting and, you know, arrogantly against, uh, speaking up against the knowledge of God. Um, so this portion comes from uh, the Torah and uh, Deuteronomy. Make sure there's no man or woman, family or tribe among you whose heart turns away from the Lord our God to go and worship the gods of those nations. He said, I don't do that. Yeah, you may. You may actually be worshiping the God of pleasure. Uh, 
and, uh, and therefore giving yourself over to a thought life and, and a physical life that is uh, uh, unclean and ungodly, or uh, a God of, uh, you know, greed. Greed, uh, you know, is idolatry. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, greed is... And so if you're coveting uh, your neighbor's wife, house, whatever, uh, you're worshiping a different God. Uh, you, you say, well, it's not like that. What do you think it's like? That's, and so you have to deal with the stuff, you say. There may be a stronghold. There may be an area of willfulness. Uh, you got to be careful of these matters. Uh, worship of the gods of those nations. Uh, make sure there's no root among you that produces such bitter poison. That's where uh, the writer of Hebrews gets that from. Uh, verse, next verse says, when he hears the words of, the, of this oath, he will bless himself in his heart, saying, though I continue to walk with a stubborn spirit, I will have peace. Now, isn't that the picture of it all? You know, uh, even though in his heart, you see what's going on here? It's a heart thing. With his mouth, he's saying, you know, uh, may Yeshua be glorified or whatever he's saying. But in the heart, he's saying, I got this one. You know, no one knows about this. I'm, I'm good to go. I'll still have peace. I'll, I'm good to go here. That is the problem. Uh, and so in the community, the family, and all those kind of things, our own souls, uh, we have to understand uh, that this is wrong. So it concludes, this will destroy the watered ground with the parched. Parched ground, those believers who are having a tough time already. The watered ground, those who seem to be doing good. A defiling of many. So you have to understand this matter. Let's go on to it now, understand a little deeply. The weak become wounded and willful in the body. This is what happens. When you're weak in an area, uh, you say, well, uh, you know, I just really have a tough time. All of a sudden, they become wounded, uh, and therefore, a willfulness develops to protect themselves, to protect their weak areas. Uh, they don't want to feel hurt. They want to feel pain. They want to feel bad. Uh, they want their self-esteem protected, and so, therefore, they guard their weak areas. Uh, and when they're guarding those weak areas so no one can hurt them, no one can de defame them, no one can feel, make them feel, if you're a guy, make you feel insignificant, uh, if you're a female, make you feel insecure, uh, whatever, and out of control or whatever. Uh, therefore, you guard that. That is the stronghold. And by doing that, that's a willfulness. Your weakness then develops into this willfulness just by protecting your weak areas. You say, what do I do with them? You grow in them. You talk to the leadership uh, to help you to grow and develop in the things of God uh, so that those areas be strengthened uh, so you won't have to go into fig leaf ministries, you know, covering it all up the best you can. Uh, so this is what happens by following fleshly and worldly values. This is what happens. Uh, Self-help thingies. So, you know, so go, warning, toxic risk. Next one, quite toxic. And so the wounded and willful uh, then become wrongdoers in our community. They're the gossipers. They're the murmurers, those are the people who don't like the way things are going, those are the ones who got their friends, who, you know, agree with them. Uh, this becomes now an issue in the community, in the family. It's always interesting with families. Having one, I became an expert in my own weaknesses. 
But never mind that. Point is, if you got a, a couple of parents, which is like a good thing, it's a helpful thing, and you got kids, got it? Kids, parents. The kids kind of think at times it's thus us against them. You know, the kids feel like we're, we're the kids, our team or the kids' team. The opposing team, the parental units. It's us against them. They want us to do their thing. We want to do what's good for us. We understand the issues. And so one will do bad and the other will swear to it. Uh, what's that mean? Well, one little band, the other, oh, I don't think Jack was doing that. Nah, he's, they protect each other. And they actually think that's a loyalty. And some people don't understand the difference between how loyalty can be so a killer rather than truth. Some families grow up that way. Just tell them that daddy is tired today. Uh, I fell down the steps again. And so loyalty becomes the operative value in a family, and truth is a dangerous thing. Uh, so you want to understand uh, that rather than trust parents for the welfare, they're the, they're the enemy, uh, leadership in the congregation, same thing. People you know, know what's going on with each other, whatever, and, you know, and don't, don't let Howard hear about this. You know. <laughs> Why? He may, you know, he may not understand like you do. Uh, so no, that's a corruption. We got to understand we're here for each other's health, health, uh, and we want to be careful of all that. Uh, so uh, the wrongdoers, all as their interactions are self-serving and unloving according to biblical standards. And some of us just want to be accepted so desperately, uh, we don't care if they accept me, you know, as a weak believer, as whatever, uh, just to be accepted. That's a that needs counseling. We're accepted in Messiah. The wrongdoers, this becomes the wrecks of the body as divisions and distrust destroy the fellowship if left as is. Very toxic. And this is what becomes uh, divisive. And you see congregation, it goes on all the time. You may know enough stories. I know all the stories. I'm usually brought in after. When do you go to a doctor when you can't take care of it yourself? They usually call on me when you have to go in. Howard's the only one I know who tries to bring people in to edify, as opposed to take care of a disaster. You got a good guy there. Anyway, uh, you say, you don't have to say that. He's not here. <laughs> I say it all the time, everywhere. And so, how do we handle this? What do we do? God's word. God's word. This is where it comes in handy, you see. Uh, this is what we do uh, through teaching disciples. It's uprooted. You see, when those things are growing, a bit of root there, we uproot these things. Yeshua said, uh, you know, everything my heavenly Father has not planted must be uprooted. What in the world does that mean? Well, when you come to faith, you got all kinds of stuff growing. It's not like you're a blank slate. It's like you got all kinds of defensive procedures, strategies for survival, a ways to get your persona out there, you know, do your thing, get some self-esteem, a sense of self-worth, so you got the whole thing going on for yourself. And so when you come to faith in Yeshua, Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, is now going through discipleship, uprooting things, uprooting things. Why? Because when the good seed is sown and there's already weeds growing there, uh, etc., 
uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 13, uh, and choking out the good seed, and so brings no fruit to maturity. I just quoted Luke 8, 13. Uh, and so the idea is that you're not becoming mature. Those things already growing, those things left to grow, it will keep you from bearing fruit to being a mature believer. Uh, and so the Holy Spirit needs that stuff uprooted, uprooted, uh, and uh, replaced with good stuff, good soil, uh, so you can bear fruit uh, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, as the measure of Messiah is. And so we want to understand the work that's going on here for leaders to understand these things. Uh, and if you want to understand more deeply, you can go to my uh, various websites, hopeofisrael.info, wordofmessiah.org, uh, and check out uh, I have, uh, my witnessing is based around some of these things. When we interact with people, gain a, a listening ear, an understanding heart from the Word of God, be able to discern. We're able, you know, Yeshua taught us, Matthew 12, the heart overflows into speech. People are always telling you where they are at if you're discerning. And so therefore, as you interact, you can understand how to uproot in a loving, gentle, gracious way, uh, but how to deal with the very subjects that's part of leadership. Our job is to help them in the maturing process uh, uh, by pointing out things, addressing things, discussing things, so we can grow uh, together in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Uprooting. And so, as we conclude, that's a very hopeful thought, because I mean it. Realize it is disobedience and not right. First thing you got to say is, Okay, this may be my thing, you know, but it's not right. I may get paid well for this, you know. Uh, I knew one guy, a relative of mine, uh, he was uh, selling cars. I said, what do you know about selling cars? He says, I don't have to know. I just have to realize that they don't know anything. Really? Yeah, the only people I don't talk to are the people who walk in with yellow pads taking notes. Those people you gotta be careful of. You know, they'll look up stuff and stuff. Oh, no. We want the people walking in. To, That's a great color, don't you think, dear? Let me show you what you're a beautiful color. So you wanna be careful of all kinds of things. Even if you get paid well for it, it may not be right. It's contrary to the will of God, the word of God. God's word is God's will. Uh, that we might be able to realize and discern things. What do you do then? Repent. Teshuvah. Make repentance. You say, that easy? Easier. Repentance is a long word in English. Cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. Trust him. Go to him. He's on your side. He loves you. His grace is your sufficiency. He wants to deal with those things to help you grow, that you might have more blessings in your life, greater victories. There's great forgiveness in Messiah. Relying on his grace and power, trust in and obey. Now that you've been forgiven, now trust in the Lord for those areas. You don't have to tell lies. It's not about your persona. It's not your own Thing of self-worth tied to lies or whatever, or tied to, you know, if I can't attract men anymore, I'm old, and so I'm going to, I have to dress and live, so, it, so men, I always, they catch their eyes, I walk through a room, my self-esteem is in there. Uh, all kinds of stuff that goes on in life. 
And so you got to understand it's wrong. you got to repent of it. you got to find out your self-worth is in the Messiah, being a child of God is like the good stuff. And then you get to grow and rely upon his grace and power, trust and obey him. Uh, his word is truth. It is a lamp unto your feet to lighten your path. You have direction and blessing in the Lord. It's really pretty marvelous when you think about it. And so as we consider uh, the issues here, you've been sitting a long time, but just think of it. I've been standing a long time. Do I complain? No. Okay. Relying on his grace and power, trusting it, and his word will bear fruit, peaceful fruit of righteousness. We saw, really didn't, read it, uh, verse 11 of this chapter. You say, what do you mean? Now listen, this is going to sound like silly, but you got to take my word for it. All healthy things grow. Attain, sustain health, you will grow. God will give the increase. All, that's the way God created the universe, a self-sustaining system. Verses that, uh, you know, our brother Howard read last night, Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verse 15 and 16, you know, speak the truth in love, growing up in all ways, in him uh, who is the head, Messiah, and then caring for each other, the whole kind of thing. Uh, God created a self-sustaining system for healthy groups, healthy individuals, healthy families to grow, and you'll grow. That's how it works. Don't take it for granted. Take responsibility. God in our heart, home and congregation, model dependence upon Messiah, you leaders. Grace for our salvation, daily lives. Let us uproot by grace through faith. Whatever the Lord has not done, uh, and has not planted, let us by prayer and study the word have good seed planted, growing, bearing fruit. That's simple. That's what we pray about. That's how we pray. Lord, there's some areas in my heart, a little stronghold there. I'm afraid of being attacked. You know, brother offended, heart of the wind in a walled city. I don't want to go through that pain. I'm not going to let that man hurt me anymore. I'm not going to let that woman make me feel bad about myself anymore. Strongholds, protecting myself, weaknesses that become willfulness. Oh, Lord, uproot that in my soul. Help me to grow in Messiah's grace. Avina, we ask for your blessing upon the very things we briefly considered to the end that Yeshua would be glorified in us, in our hearts, in our homes, in our community. To the end that all people might know of your great love, uh, your grace, the truth of your word, and might therefore place their faith as well and would change our lives. And so, add your blessing, we pray. For we pray for the redemption of Israel and of the nations that you may be glorified amongst many. We thank you for the remnant, but we pray also that many more will give you praise because you are a great and a mighty God, worthy of all, worthy of all praise and adoration. B'shem Yeshua, amen. Okay, uh, what questions do we have? You've been sitting for a while. Uh, most of you, uh, listen, I got through high school because I knew how to sleep with my eyes open. Therefore, I understand how it works. Uh, but uh, are there questions, are there issues, are there things that need clarification? 
you know, things that need, uh, you know, what do you mean by that, or how does that work, or, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Are you saying that if this is so, then, you know, it's like, if I have a stronghold, am I going to hell, or what, what are you talking about? There may be issues that may be unclear. I happen to like uh, the fact that people get confused, because that means that I may be confronting a set of values that they held near and dear with biblical things that may actually conflict with what their near and dear stuff is, and so they get confused. That's okay. We can deal with that. He's not the God of confusion. And so we can deal with it. So any questions or comments? Uh, any comments? You know? No? Oh, I thought Jeff was going to raise a comment. He only stretched his legs. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. Uh, I do have a few minutes left. Uh, would be okay if I move on to a little deeper principle? Are you okay, well, you basically say enough for one day, enough for one lifetime, get away, get him to the plane, get him, you know, if you feel that way, what can I tell you? Planes leave when they do. You can't rush those things. I'm going to move ahead, okay? That means I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. See how even someone like me can, the mighty finger pushing button thingies. We're going to go deeper. You say, that was beyond my depth now. Take notes for future application. Okay? And if you're in leadership roles, this is like a problem that needs to be understood. Let's just quickly hit on it. I have till 11.30, I believe. Good. Once more, my introductions to Hebrews, uh, basically bringing everyone on the same page of the problem that's being faced, loss of social acceptance and all that was going on there. You have to remember, uh, once you confessed Yeshua, you were put out of the synagogue, the traditional synagogue. All your connections are gone. Uh, that's what was just common. Uh, in the community. And so, there being, uh, you know, all kinds of pressure points. I'll lose my friends. You know, that kind of thing. And so, uh, and so, this book is written to encourage them, trusting in Yeshua, hanging on, etc. And so, the issue of pressure. Hard to make good decisions when you're under pressure. Very, it's just hard. You know, uh, you get all discombobulated. You know, it's like, I got to do something. Oh, my goodness. I, we, we understand that. That's why training is so important for those who are Buckeye fans and how dare you not be. Um, you know, they win in the last two minutes. Why? Because the team that is best trained when they're so exhausted, they can't think of anything. Those who are well trained know how to make cut on their route and be able to new, do exactly what needs to be done almost on automatic why? Because they're too exhausted to think about things. They've got to roll with it. Uh, therefore, your coaches and teams are going to get you well-trained to be able to do it right uh, every time so that when you're under the pressure, stress, exhaustion, you will be a game winner. Uh, and so you say, well, what's that mean? God's developing us, you know, so we can enjoy victory. Uh, and so when we're under pressure, to do the right thing. And so, making good and bad choices, uh, you say, what do you mean? Well, bad choice number one. 
When exhausted, stressed, or anxious, you decide to watch TV and not to pray or read the Word. You say, that's not so bad. I know. No one's judging anyone for it. Bad choice two. Then the demand arises, a disappointment or a snag occurs, and rather than pray and obey, you react. In your heart with ungodly anger, resentment, suspicion, fear, or doubt. Because by not looking to Yeshua and following his word, you fail to depend on God's grace. You say, I was just watching TV. I know. I'm not saying there's anything about watching TV. I'm just saying you got to be careful of having substitutes uh, that are not wise. When you need to be in prayer, God, you know, you say, well, I was tired. Yeah. So what? God has the reins for you to show yourself his grace is sufficient. Bad choice three, that ungodly heart response is not immediate, confessed, repented to the Lord, but rather justified or ignored. The result of that seed of sin is a root of bitterness that annoys, troubles, and defeats you, divides relations, defiles many. That's how that works. You see? Just keep it going. Bad choice number four to 300,000. I'm kind of summarizing here. Because you didn't and don't have the spiritual discipline developed to pray and obey in times of trial, you yield temptations, and this becomes habitual, and your life strategies, and even your reputation. You're hardwired to spiritual defeat. You may become cynical. I see a lot of cynical people in Messianic synagogues around the world. And why? Because they're hardwired. Yeah, sure, heard that one. How many times did I hear the same sermon? <sighs> Love one another. Yeah, that's better said than done. So, what's that mean? You're Esau. And so, making better choices, we saw in this chapter. Look to study Yeshua's faithfulness, develop the spiritual discipline in him, prepare and pursue to endure, perceive all threats to the body. Okay, we looked at this before, remember? See to it, three things, lest any fall short. You notice how the arrow fell short? You wouldn't believe how much time this stuff takes. I create all this stuff. I do it for the Lord. So, fall short. Uh, root of bitterness. Lest any root of bitterness springs up. Falling short brings about the root. Uh, lest any moral godless person like Esau, who sold his birthright. Where did my arrow go? So, okay, here we go. So, dealing with the issues of Esau. You say, well, I'm not an Esau. Good, then you'll understand how to see it when you come across it. You'll be able to be helpful. Any moral person sold his birthright. The birthright, uh, the right of the firstborn, is what it's dealing with there. Firstborn had title of authority of the first son. Uh, Dad could give it title to anyone, of course. He gave it to Joseph rather than to uh, Reuben. Uh, so it doesn't mean it's automatic. It means that you've got to have the values. Uh, and thus Israel is firstborn of all the nations. God decided we're not the firstborn nation. There were many nations preceding us. Uh, but God decided this will be the firstborn of the nations. King David is firstborn among all kings. He wasn't even the firstborn, first king of Israel. Who's the first king of Israel? Shaul, right? So, first king. 
Messiah is the firstborn of all creation. He's in charge. That means he's in charge. That's what the firstborn means. He's got rulership in the family or the community, the country, eternity, etc. And birthright, rights of the firstborn, several fold, maybe two. Double portion of inheritance, you know, it's from the Torah. Preeminence over the family. There you go. So, um, wanted, uh, sold his birthright, but he desired to inherit the blessing. He wanted the blessing, not the birthright. Don't we all? And so, the blessing of Abraham uh, passed down to the eldest, unless the eldest proved unworthy. Almost every case. Almost every case, right? Not Ishmael, but Isaac. Not Esau, Jacob. Uh, So, that's how God works things through here. He likes to go around uh, what humanity expects. And so, the blessing includes all the lands and many great descendants and the world's redeemer. I mean, there's some good stuff in that blessing, you know? The problem is that they're tied together. You know, the responsibility and the benefits are all tied together. You say, I don't understand that. When kids go through a bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, uh, you should help them grow in regards to enjoying blessing and liberty relative to their sense of responsibility in equal measure. Uh, and so you have to understand the responsibility to enjoy the liberty. You have to understand the responsibility to enjoy the blessings. What you sow, you reap, that kind of stuff. And so, spiritually defiled, rejected the birthright. Uh, so we have to guard the heart, see to it, as we said before, anything that weakens you spiritually. This is really something to think about, friends. Anything that weakens you spiritually. Music, videos, movies, individuals you know, you've got to be careful. Recovering alcoholics shouldn't go even near a saloon. can trigger things. you got to be careful. Be on your guard. So, bitterness, envy, anger, resentment, all this stuff. Rejected as a poison. That's bad for me. You know, oh, I can handle it. That's arrogance. So, selling the birthright. We all know the story. The Lord said to Rebecca, the older will serve the younger. They understood the story. No one really paid attention to some of these things. They had their favorites. Everyone has their favorites. It's always bad. God has a favorite. It's everybody. You say, I thought Israel. Yeah, because the Messiah, not because Israel. You thought it was because of our good looks? I can understand why you think that. But no, you'd be wrong. It's because of Yeshua. In him, we find our acceptance. And apart from him, not so much. Got to be careful. Birthright, same thing for everybody. In Yeshua, you are fully accepted in the beloved. Uh, You are loved. Uh, we're all his favorites because it comes by grace. Favor, favorite. Favor, favorite. Cool. Uh, birthright and blessing prophesied for Jacob, not Esau. Jacob desired after the birthright. Didn't mean, you know, sometimes you do the right thing in the wrong way. Okay. You know, uh, some of the midwives there in Egypt were just lying there, you know, they're lying to Pharaoh because they could off, he could offer their heads uh, by care. But God said, no, I'm going to bless what they did right because they're all weak. Everyone's weak. We'll work on that stuff, help them grow accordingly, whatever. And so 
Jacob uh, desire, same thing as you may think of Rahab the harlot, the same problem with her. Uh, right thing, wrong way, it's okay. God will grow you. Uh, he desired it. Esau desired beans, lentils. I like lentils myself. Anyway, so selling his birthright demonstrated that Esau was both an immoral and godless person. That's what the text said there. Was any moral person, godless person like Esau, who sold his birthright? This is definitive of those who think my responsibilities in the faith are sort of silly. And so those who say, well, I'm going to be part of a congregation, but I'm not going to serve. Why? Well, I, I, I like the oneg. Me too. <laughs> I, I like the worship. Pretty cool. I like the teaching. Good stuff. I like the benefits. I just don't want the responsibilities. See? Well, yeah, but you're not getting the profit, the increase, the blessing. God gives that. You're just kind of here when everyone else is kind of living for the Lord. You're a spectator on it all. You're not really growing because you're not committed to the very, you don't have the responsibility that enjoys the blessing. The blessing is for those who are committed. The rest of you are observing. So you want to understand these things. Esau can be in any of us. Sold his birthright, therefore demonstrating who he is. So, as we consider this, let's understand for the leadership, parents, get this in your head. You got to understand this stuff to see it. You got to be able to discern what it is when you see it. You know, uh, I go by the iceberg principle. If what I see above the surface is there, I know there's a whole lot more going on below the surface. Spoken a congregation, a congregation. There were some teens and things. They were sitting, and the guy had his hand on her leg. Two teens. No one cared. I'm sharing the word of God. I'm looking at him. He doesn't care. So afterwards, I'm a nice guy. I stand at the door. People coming by, coming out, shaking hands. Got his hand, wouldn't let go. I said, come with me. We went to another room. I said, I want to talk to you. What for? What's up? Yeah. I saw your hand was on her leg. You're sleeping with that woman, that young girl. Both teens. You're sleeping with her. How'd you know? Iceberg principle. That's how you know. They're going, what they do in public is just a little symptom of what they're doing privately. I mean, good grief. Get your head screwed on right. And so, you know... I said, you're destroying that woman's reputation. You're dishonoring her. You're corrupting your own life. He started crying, prayed with him. Someone got to love people. That's what leaders do. We love. We love you too much to get away with it. That's what, we, what I taught my children. Love you, I love you too much to let you get away with it. The immoral, the sensual, fleshly, carnal, sensory, and experience-oriented purse. If it feels good, it must be good. You got to be careful. Experience can deceive you. The godless, profane, worldly, politically correct, trendy. This is how you value things. The other, how you feel things. How you therefore, you make decisions accordingly. The immoral feel the birthright is unfulfilling. They seek what will gratify their flesh. And the promise of God seem like useless. Okay, that's going to happen when? In eternity? 
Well, between then and now, I think I can enjoy life a little, okay? Yeah? <laughs> Eternity? You want me to believe? Eternity? Come on. You're crazy. I got, I'll get to that. You know, just hardening yourself, you'll never get to it. Uh, I used to, I played congregation in New York, did a lot of work with some of the students at Juilliard in New York City. Uh, and there were certain students that came, were believers, but they really felt if I get to the top, I'll have a place for testimony. They did all kinds of things to get to the top. By the time they got there, no testimony. Be careful. Don't be deceived. It's always wrong to lie. It's always wrong to cheat. It never gets right. This is the will of God, that you be holy, that you avoid sexual immorality. If you are not married, you are called uh, to be very careful about these things. It's God's will. God will think the birthright's unappealing. They evaluate by the world's values, no matter what's pertaining to God. It's a, come on, you, you've got to be stupid, you know? A song, I can't remember the name of the silly group that made it, Christian Sister, or Sister Christian. Anybody remember? I can't remember all these things. I'm old. What's that? Yeah! Get on with it, girl, right? Showing my age here. You're probably just guessing. And so the whole... Th Pardon me? Oh, no, you're thinking of a different song, yeah. I'm thinking of a bad song. So you want to, you want to understand. Yeah, it's like, have some fun. I mean, come on, let your hair down. So you want to be careful, not have a lack of fun. You just be, want to be wise about these things that can actually undermine your life, how you evaluate things by the values that are not of God. So matters pertaining to God, disregard. You know, I think that's for old people. The whole messianic thing seems like for old people. So... That's why Yeshua was rejected. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance we should desire after him. He was despised. We did not value him, did not esteem him. This is exactly what happened, so that's the way life is as we know it. Yep, getting a little late. So you can see where we're going. That's how Esau thought about things. That's how he lived, deemed the birthright useless, but wanted the blessings. Don't we all? He'd sell it, whatever he can get for it, momentary gratification. I'm hungry. Eternity's a long way off, babe. Food is for the stomach, the stomach is for food. God will do away with both. Made a foolish bargain. What will profit a man if he gains the whole world, forfeits his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? We're going to just pray a little bit. Don't want to uh, go any worse on time than I already have. Leaders need to understand things. If you're spirit-led, these are threats to you. If you're a child of God, this is a threat to you personally. Weaknesses that you leave unattended, uh, that can become a willfulness and you may not even realize it. You may be developing, they're both born 
Esau and Jacob were both born from the same mom and dad. You may not even realize it. You may be coming in Esau. One thing leads to the other. Wherever stage you're at now, just deal with it, Lord. Don't draw the target around the arrow. You in leadership gain discernment and understanding how to care for the flock, your family, as well as yourself. Let's pray. Alvino, our Father, we're thankful for your love and goodness to us. Oh, we just praise you and bless your name. You're a great and a mighty God. We just so thank you for your love and all that we have uh, in Messiah. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the full acceptance in him, uh, the grace in which we stand, which is our sufficiency, which is our... Thank you, Lord. Even now, help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, uh, that we might be pleasing unto you, honoring to your name uh, in a world that is, uh, seems to be just committed to dishonoring you. Let us be as lights in the darkness. And so guide us in this process of maturity and growth that we might uh, honor you more and more. And so add your blessing to our considerations of this morning, uh, the very issues uh, of pursuing peace and holiness, uh, to keep our focus clear on these matters as we have the spiritual disciplines and being disciplined in you, uh, the men and women, uh, you know, Ishkail, men of valor. Our Lord, add your blessing, we pray. Those of us, Lord, that have weaknesses, may Ruach HaKodesh reveal it gently and graciously to us. We might cast our cares on you, bring our anxieties to you, our fears, our concerns, all the weak areas uh, that you might give us the strength and the grace we need. For those of us, Lord, that have these strongholds, these areas of willfulness, these areas we built walls around to protect ourselves. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us and help us now to allow you to break in, break in and break down those strongholds and that we will confess it for what it is and find your grace our sufficiency. And for us in our community that may be becoming Esau's, Lord, uh, someone who irresponsible to the very truth of God, therefore wanting the blessings somehow, Oh, Lord, help us to realize the path we are on. For there's a way that seems right unto us, but it always leads to death. But your way is a way that is right and good and healthy and fulfilling for our souls. Add your blessing, we pray in Messiah's name. Amen. Uh, okay, well, you have uh, overstayed your welcome. Uh, uh, so uh, I'm not going to keep you any longer. If there are questions, I know some of you have things you want to do. Uh, if there are questions of public consumption or comments you want to make right now, please feel free. I don't want you to merely mouth off or you know, whatever, but if you have an edifying comment of others, uh, we can all edify one another accordingly. Or have a question for clarification or application issues, and it may be something for public consumption, fine. I'll be around for a few minutes, so if you have a question you want to talk to me privately about, I'll probably uh, be able to say, I don't know, but I'll ask my wife when I get home, uh, et cetera. So, uh, okay, you're dismissed. <laughs>